Today, I'm talking with a Southern California nurse, Mariah Barch-Green. She discusses the different challenges she faces within hospital constraints on resources and how patient outcomes are sometimes weighed against business needs. Check it out on today's episode of The Justice Podcast. Everybody wants to talk, but nobody wants to listen. So here's my petition. Instead of division, let's make our mission to change the system. Learn how the world works. Learn how we can act. Welcome, everybody, to the Justice Podcast. Hey, um, I've got today, I've got Mariah Barch Green on the podcast, and she is a nurse in San Diego. Um, I don't know if you have a better title than that. I'm sure you have a better title. <laughs> Clinical nurse three. But it's All right. There's the official one. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's um, I'm a nurse. <laughs> good. Um, yeah. And today we just want to talk about some of the strains that are felt by the healthcare system. Um, I think people understand that healthcare systems or at least America's healthcare has issues, but it's not always clear what those exact issues are. Um, but before we dive into that, Mariah, I would love to know, why did you decide to become a nurse? I have always loved science and helping people. And that might sound cheesy, but when I was really little, I wanted to be a doctor. And then high school, I started kind of looking into that route and seeing what that route would look like and just got a little overwhelmed by time and the money that was going to go into it. And so started thinking about what other kind of options there were and talked to some nurses that had come into my life who um, just kind of called out that those, like that this was a field they could see me working in. And I got the chance to shadow them. Um, I got the chance to work in a leper colony in Nepal and just seeing like what the hands-on part of care is and like being able to be the person who provides care and is the compassionate, like, like I just saw myself more being in that caregiver role rather than being in the decision maker role. And I have so much respect for doctors and we need them and their role. But um, as I started really investigating what the different roles within the hospital were, um, I just could see myself loving nursing more. And I have all like, I've never looked back or regretted my decision. Do you feel like that's a pretty common reasoning that other nurses have or are there other reasons you hear commonly? I feel like a lot of the people who really have the heart of heart for nursing, that's a lot. Their story is very similar. Just a lot of people grew up with nurses in their family. A lot of nurses that I work with, their moms, their aunts, their grandmas. So they kind of were just around it forever. And it just was the logical decision. But most nurses I know really love the hands-on. There are those who were like, the schedule is really great. You only work three shifts a week or you make pretty decent money. Like there are people who are in it for those reasons, but they usually burn out a lot quicker um, or kind of find themselves in different, like working in the OR or working, they kind of leave patient care pretty quickly um, because they realize that, yeah, it's three shifts a week, but they are three, 12 hour, often night in the middle of the night, not easy shifts. So um, a lot of the people who stick it out for the long haul are people who really love people and really love caring for people. Given the challenges of the job, is it hard to find people? I mean, I imagine that not just anybody is going to be applying for a job like this, besides even the qualifications. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like people, it's getting less and less. There's definitely like a significant nursing shortage. And then after the pandemic, it has gotten even more significant because there's a lot less people who are willing to um, go through nursing school, who are willing to put up with pretty much every new nurse, you have to work night shift. And then eventually you can work your way out of it. But even just that initial, like having to work night shift for a year or two to build up some seniority, like a lot of people don't see the payoff as worth it anymore. So how big is the team that you work with? My unit probably has, well, I think we're like in the mid eighties of number of nurses who work there. Uh, that covers day and night shift on any given shift. I'm working with 12 to 15 nurses, depending on how full our unit is. I work on a 42 bed unit. So um, we all have three to four, two to four patients. Yeah. And taking a step back, what do you feel like is the biggest challenge facing your hospital? Resources. I think, I think people is the biggest one. We are so short staffed constantly. Um, for a variety of factors that I'm sure we'll get into some of them, but uh, we just are losing people constantly. We just had another nurse leave to go to the clinic yesterday. We threw her a party. So um, we're, it's just, we're so short staffed always, like no nursing assistants, no extra like resource nurses. Um, it's just, we're kind of working with bare bones right now, which makes it hard to provide like good quality patient care, which is what we all really, got into it for and like to do is provide the hands-on patient care. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit on the impact it has on your job when you're short-staffed? Uh, it means that we are, we can't invest in our patients as much. So it's, I can't, a lot of, um, what I like to do is I like to build the relationship with the family. I like to be in the room a lot, get to know my families and my patients and, um, get to, build those relationships, build rapport and trust with them, know the patient. So it comes like a big part of nursing is like, I know what my patient looks like. I know what their normal is. I know what they're not. I have a lot of long-term patients. So really knowing them medically is my job to do and to notice when things start to go wrong um, and to build those trusting relationships with the family. So if stuff starts to go wrong or stuff feels like it's going wrong, but it's not like those families can kind of have that trust with me. But when we're short-staffed, I am running from room to room to room, and I can't really build that connection with any families. Uh, and it just pulls our resources. We're working much more tired, more stressed out. We don't have people who can help. If I if an emergency happens in a room or I just need help or another set of hands to do something, um, instead of having like several people in the room at once if I need help, it often takes a longer, a lot longer. And if we don't have all the resources, other people are dealing with their own patients that are in their own situations and can't get to them, get to where the emergencies are as quickly. So does that mean the hospital's asking you to work more days or what does that look like for your schedule? Yes, I get asked to work extra shifts several times a day. I'm on the, a group text with my um, unit. Oh, sorry, my cat. Uh, <laughs> I didn't lock him up. Um, I get several texts a day trying to like that are saying we're short staffed. My unit is short staffed, two or three nurses. The hospital is short staffed, several nurses. Um, I'm a charge nurse too. So 
uh, a few shifts a month, I work as the charge nurse for the unit, which I kind of handle staffing for the next shift. Um, and often the hospital will be short, like 15 nurses when we start the night, and then we send out those pages and get a handful um, and then just kind of make do with staffing. And uh, so with California ratios, every state's different and some states don't have ratios, but with California ratios and kids, we're only allowed to have up to four kids legally per nurse. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's like the safest or the best ratio. It just means that that's legally what we're, they've decided is okay. Um, but so it means that we're starting nurses in full assignments like that, that are like not the best assignments and not the best situations, um, instead of staffing them more appropriately with like two patients or three patients, depending on the cases. So it's just, yeah, it's a little tight. Sorry. Uh, so um, <laughs> you mentioned COVID has impacted the hospitals, um, specifically on staffing. Have you seen yeah. any other impacts from COVID? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's like, I, I feel like everything has changed. Um, but there's been, we've just had a lot less resources available. There's been a lot of like confusion, the rules change constantly about like visitation policies and vaccination policies and um, all of that stuff changes so constantly. And so we end up getting in, there's a lot more battles with families that we end up doing when it comes to education and um, letting, allowing visitors, we can have a lot less visitors than we used to. We're only allowed to have two adults, like, and it's mainly because of our kids. Um, so their guardians kind of have to be there through COVID. I know a lot of adult hospitals just stop visitors completely um and we can't do that because we're working with kids but um so there's just been like that raises tension to having to constantly battle the families and have families be upset that they can't visit that they can't have the whole family come and uh, we lost a lot of staff due to vaccination policies uh, so it's just there's it's been pretty systemic what how COVID has impacted everything that we do have you seen any supply chain issues? Yeah, we have the supply chain, like we are missing supplies constantly. I feel like we get several emails a week with like, oh, we're out of this supply. Now we're supplementing with this. or we're out of this. We're going to supplement with this. Um, and sometimes it's like an equivalent and other times it's definitely not as good, but it's what we have. Um, so we kind of just have to make do sometimes, but um, there it is it's kind of a constant cycle through of different things that we just don't have enough of. So what do you feel like leadership should be doing about these problems? I feel like the biggest one would be hire more staff. Um, it's hard. Sometimes it feels hard to understand how the decisions get made. Um, Cause they're asking us to work all these extra shifts and these crisis shifts and, they offer bonus and overtime and all this stuff. Um, and so it's hard when then they don't, they won't open positions and they won't like my unit has probably lost 30 plus people in the last like three years. Um, and we maybe 10, that feels generous to say we've gotten 10 new people um, or they're hiring new grads 
because they can pay them less. Uh, whereas we really need experience. Like we are losing the people who have 30, 40 years of bedside, like they of experience and we're filling it in with people who've been a nurse for six months, a year, a year and a half, which those people need jobs. We need bodies. We need the bodies. So the bodies are great, but like we are losing this like level of knowledge and experience just out just completely um because a lot of what they're willing the positions are willing to hire are like new grad positions um and not as much the like experienced nurses which is really what we need some open positions for experienced nurses is there any noticeable difference in team culture or morale because of these things morale is very poor (laughs) um they it's i feel like we're I don't know, maybe we're coming out of it. I want to be positive. My unit is like very, um, we work together really well and kind of try and build each other up. But especially over the winter months last year, uh, morale just gets so bad and people call out and we're short staffed constantly. And uh, and then people just stop being willing to pick up extra at a certain point. And so then we're just, no one's com- even coming in for extra shifts. Uh, and people just get really discouraged, really hard on themselves. The resources between units, and I know every hospital has different dynamics, but um, we have a, a particular unit where their nurses are so burnt out that they just call out constantly and do not care. And then my unit's not quite as burnt out, but then we float to cover that unit when they're understaffed. Um, and so then we're getting pulled from our unit, and then it kind of it just trickles, and the morale is just kind of that's yeah, not, it's not great. People just get frustrated and are frustrated with the fact that it doesn't feel like anyone higher up is doing anything to make changes or that we're being heard when we bring up concerns. And um, when we bring up issues, it feels like the hospital is focused on things that are look good, like they make their name bigger or that, um, I don't know, it just feels like their finances go to things that like look what we did like we're working on this big research thing or we brought in this new technology or we um i don't know this new equipment thing and some of it improves things but a lot of it feels like we can do better and we can that money would be better spent by building into our personnel and helping the people who are actually hands-on taking care of our patients like we need more resources there um versus like the things that the hospital can kind of brag about on paper so what kind of opportunities do you have to communicate those concerns to leadership? We have, they do like annual surveys um, and like engagement surveys, they call them. Um, they had like a bonus one this year where they applied for an excellent workplace award um, where that was a survey that they sent out. Um, and then our, like my personal manager will like round on everyone um, and check in with people. So we have, we do have opportunities to voice our concerns. They often don't feel like they go anywhere from there. It feels like it's just kind of a way to be like, look, we're hearing you, but then nothing actually changes. Um, Cause I know like myself, maybe when I was a new grad seven years ago, I was like, things are great. Nothing can change. We're doing wonderful. Like now, the longer I've been here, the more I'm like, no, like things got, things need to change. We need to do better. Um, so I'm a lot more honest in those surveys now and everyone all my coworkers I talk to and like we're kind of brutally honest they're just like we need this we need this like we need resources we need people we need nursing assistants we need 
resource nurses. We need appropriate staffing. Um, but nothing ever feels like it actually changes. So I don't know where that goes. So if you feel like the people at the top aren't hearing you, is there any change that you can make on your own? We have committees on my unit that can, um, like I'm on a quality improvement committee. I'm on a like preceptor, which is like the nursing term for like mentoring new nurses and orienting them. Um, so I'm on a preceptor committee and a quality improvement committee. And we kind of bring, we bring issues there and we're able to work on stuff. We don't get to work on like staffing, which is probably everyone's biggest thing. Um, if you threw a dart, nine out of 10 nurses would probably say that staffing is our biggest issue widespread right now. Um, but we can work on little stuff and see issues that are coming up on our unit. And there's like a certain scope that we can impact things. Um, but when it comes to like get, bringing resources into the unit, I feel like we don't have a lot of power. We kind of just can work within like, hey, what if we tweaked this? Or what if we changed the way we approach our patients this way? Or we've seen an issue with... Um, the way we handle this type of surgery, like, can we talk to the doctors? Can we kind of make a more cohesive plan for this and then bring that education to the unit? So it's more, uh, some, it's definitely hands-on patient care stuff that we can bring change to, but like getting the hospital to invest in new resources or people, like is where we feel like we can't, we have no voice. So if you could take a step away um, from the hospital system or hospital um, and you could target any person or any group and say, this needs to be changed, what would that be? Just one thing, just. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy to do. <laughs> um, I feel like this sounds just, so, it sounds so cheesy. Like I feel cheesy saying it, but I feel like the focus needs to be on our patients again and not on finances because it feels like so much comes down. And I know finances matter. And I know like we obviously have to be responsible with it and there's budgets and all of that, but we need to focus on how to improve the care of our patients. Like, and that needs to come from all the way up at the top. Um, and so I feel like, I don't know, like it feels really cheesy to say, but I just feel like that's like the biggest issue is, the people like high up in healthcare and high up in the hospitals, it feels like their decisions are all just based on making money for the hospital um, and not really actually looking at what's going to improve the day-to-day -day care of our patients. Like, so just the focus feels like it's shifted and is so wrong for the way our healthcare is focusing right now. So do you think it's necessary to have top-down change or is could change come from the bottom? I think it's really hard to make change from the bottom. <laughs> um, like big scale change. Um, I think it would be really helpful if the change came from the top. I think if, I don't know how you do it, but if somehow the top people still, like they're usually doctors and nurses who just have like really left the bedside and gone far away. Like if there was some way to still like, them to be involved in patient care somehow or to really like even just to shadow doctors and nurses like once a month like to have a day where they were like oh these decisions that we're making actually impact people like they actually impact our staff they actually impact our patients like that decision I made in the office a week ago here's how it played out oh that actually made this a lot harder for them 
even though it was better for the finances, that kind of stuff, instead of making decisions far away from an office on the other side of the hospital and never actually seeing how those decisions impact our patients. And I feel like they're just become, there's such a separation between the offices at the top and then the, the patient care rooms. And if we could somehow connect those, then I think it could be even bottom up change if we felt like we could be showing like, here, this is what happened. Like it, there could just be more connection there um, and more, I don't know, just visibility of seeing the way that their decisions impact things. Because um, a lot of times the decisions that get made make a lot more work for us, which then takes away from our ability to provide patient care because we're charting more or we're doing more steps to different things. Some of it is beneficial for safety and then other things it's just kind of, it's excessive and providing, it's causing us to do more uh, without actually improving patient care. So yeah, it sounds really idealistic and cheesy, <laughs> but it'd be great. So what would you want leadership to know if you could tell them something? Oh. Uh, their decisions directly impact patient care. <laughs> uh, and they like, they're not so, they're not, I don't know. Um, I would just, I guess I would just want them to like, I don't know. I would want them to see how their impacts, their decisions impact patient care. Like I'm trying, I don't know how to exactly put it in to words, but um, I feel like I would want to tell them to like refocus, like re, like take a step back. Remember why they started this career path in the very beginning. Cause Maybe some of them did it for money. Who knows? It feels like a really long, hard route to do it to get to money. But like, maybe that was the goal all along. But I feel like most of them probably got into it because they cared about patients. And most of them probably got into it because they cared about people. Um, and so just to like, remember where they started there and then figure out how to like, do what they do. Because we do need them. Like, not saying down, down with the, <laughs> the top, but like, we need them to make those decisions, but we need them to make those decisions remembering what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I know this conversation has sounded like a lot of doom and gloom. Um, I is, know. There hope, like, is there hope for <laughs> hospitals, for the healthcare system? What are your thoughts? I think there is. There are so many people who really do care like, and are doing this despite all the stressors that the pandemic put on us, which is just you know, the world and life. And, um, but there's still so many people, the doctors, nurses, therapists, like there are so many people in the hospital that really care and are willing to do what it takes to make sure our patients get excellent care and like continue to try and make the micro changes, even though it feels like to us, it doesn't feel like we're really affecting the system, but we are affecting individual patients day to day. Um, and there are a lot of people who could still see that and who are still focused on that and are willing to kind of put up with the burnout and put up with the stressor and like continue to try and fight um, to improve things. So I think, 
I do think there is hope and um, I love that's part of the reason I love teaching nursing students is getting to see their like fresh perspective and hope and joy and excitement about it coming in and um, trying to help them build resilience and skills that so they won't burn out quickly and that they can see opportunities to like to change things and come in with fresh eyes so um, I do think there's a lot of hope for it I just I don't know what the there's no simple solution to the problem so um, but I do think there's hope any other parting thoughts um I don't know I just I guess I would just say like thank you to the doctors and nurses out there and everyone else that's like sticking it out and and caring like and the people who are making decisions and trying to do it well like let's let's try, keep doing this and do it better for our kids and our patients well I really appreciate it Mariah um, before we go I've got a dad joke of the day <laughs> So for this. <laughs> so what part of the hospital has the least privacy? I don't know, Bobby. What part of the hospital? The ICU. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. That's <laughs> I really appreciate the interview. <laughs> Oh, thanks again. <laughs> this isn't financial, legal, or medical advice, but we do discuss how we might invest our resources for a healthier society. If you'd like to learn more about today's topic and other public policy issues, check out the website, thejusticepodcast.com.